Leadership comes in many forms in the Lord's church. Bill, that was me. There we go. Leadership comes in many forms in the Lord's church. Congregational leaders such as elders, deacons and other ministers who lead various people in godly tasks. Parents who train their children in the Lord are also leaders. And just being a Christian, standing up for the truth, is leadership. In all these situations, leaders sometimes find themselves needing to face the bear. Face the bear. Bears, grizzly bears, brown bears, really any bear might look cuddly and harmless, but I am assured by authorities that they are actually not. As leaders in God's kingdom, sometimes we must face our bears. Those situations that opposes godliness and goodness and the struggle against our inner self. Our inner self can be a big bear too, can it not? And that's the lesson today, facing the bear, a study on godly leadership. Who, me? Yes, you. And you. Facing the bear. Who, me? Moses was not born into affluence, was he? But by God's grace, he was thrust into it. Exodus chapter 1 through 2. When he was found by Pharaoh's household while floating in the Nile, he was saved while so many other babies were killed by the same Pharaoh's family. Moses had great privilege. Exodus chapter 2, Acts chapter 7, Hebrews chapter 11. And he was privileged in two ways. Knowing where he came from as a Hebrew and knowing the blessings of what Egypt could offer. But one day he was confronted with certain Hebrews being mistreated. His anger overtook him and he killed a man, an Egyptian. This was not done in secret and Pharaoh was pretty upset and sought to kill him. So Moses fled. He fled away from the anger of Pharaoh. After Mo this, Moses found himself in Midian, Exodus chapter 2. Here he married, had a family, and a good life. In fact, his father-in-law was a very godly man. So Moses decided to stay with this people, and he became a shepherd for a long time. For all intents and purposes, he seemed rather happy and content. But one day while walking with his sheep, Exodus 3, he saw something in the landscape. He was curious, so he took a look to investigate. Remember, he's a shepherd, and he has to protect his sheep, right? So he's a good shepherd, and he sought out what was there, but it was not natural. It was a bush that was on fire, but it was not consuming. Here he talked with the Lord in a very visible way, Exodus 3 through 4. An encounter with God can be profound in so many ways. Think about some of the scriptural examples of people encountering God. Moses at the burning bush, Adam and Eve in the garden. Noah encountered God 
When God told him of the future destruction of the world, Abraham saw God in a vision at one time. The apostles of Christ walked with the Lord Jesus while he was a human on earth, and Saul encountered Jesus in a great light on a road to Damascus. So my question to you is, how did you meet God? Well, in a great part, I met God in his word, in his scripture. In a smaller part, I met him in the wonders of nature. But when God speaks in his inspired word, he meets us where we need him the most. He meets us in our hearts. The encounter with God led to what uh, to led me to want to follow him more in a ministry way. But I also found myself facing the bear within. You see, God wanted and continues to want me to grow in Christ. He has responsibilities for me to do. He led me toward involvement in church growth and understanding the word, but I did not always want to do what he expected from me. Many times I would say, who, me? Are you talking to me? But when I did that, I needed to face the bear. I needed to look beyond me to what God wanted from me. Something all people face when they encounter God in Scripture. The second point, yes, you. This encounter Moses had with God must have been perplexing. I've never run into that situation myself, but he had no doubt that it was God who was speaking to him. So God said to him in basic terms, you, Moses, are my chosen leader, a leader that will bring the Hebrews out from Egyptian bondage, Exodus 3 through 4, to lead them out of slavery. God's people, God's people have leaders. But all God's people need to stand up for various roles when needed. It could be a leadership role. It could be a servant role. It may be our continued need to grow in faith in Christ. The reality is that all people need to encounter God. All people need to encounter God, not just once, but throughout their lives. That's what we do when we study scripture. We're encountering God. His word can get our attention and it can force us to face the bear. Sadly, we usually need to fight our excuses. That is our own bears. Moses laid out some great excuses, didn't he? Oh, the people won't believe that I am your chosen leader. Exodus 4.1 I am not a good speaker. Exodus 4.10 So God gave four things to help Moses to convince not only him, but the intended Hebrews that he was God's leader. Four of those in Exodus 4.2-17 The staff that turned to the snake. That was not just for Pharaoh, but that was for the people to realize that, hey, Moses is God's intended leader. The hand made leprous and then healed. The Nile water to blood. And his brother Aaron with his speaking gifts. We can produce 
many excuses about getting involved in ministry. And I don't just mean a paying ministry job, for ministry is the idea of service. Just real involvement and following our godly leaders. We have godly leaders, Kelly and Lee, very godly elders in our congregation. We need to speak up to the world's errors. And there are a lot of them that are wanting to tidal wave into our lives. But God is always greater than our excuses. He just needs our obedience. He needs our obedience. So Moses returned to Egypt to be God's leader for his people, to be God's servant for his people, and to teach people how to be led and be servants of God. But the people needed to face their bear as well. Stephen didn't have a lot of nice things to say for those who were under Moses' leadership at that time. Those people attempted, or at least some of them, attempted to run away from their role as God's people. Moses received living oracles, Stephen said, to give to us. Our fathers refused to obey them, but thrust him aside. And in their hearts turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make for us gods who will go before us. Acts 7, 38-39. Moses could have been one of the, and may be one of the greatest leaders of all time. But it helps to have a people who are the greatest servants of all as well. Servants who seek the type, to be types of leaders in a world that needs them so much. Today, where do you stand in your role in Christ. Third point, and you. Somewhere along the way, Joshua gained the attention of Moses. He gained uh, Moses' attention. How? I'm not really sure. But he became Moses' right-hand man. His assistant, Scripture calls him. Once Moses entrusted him to choose for the battle men who would fight against Amalek, as well as take part in the fighting. He didn't run from his responsibility as Moses' assistant, but did them splendidly, Exodus chapter 17. This is just one example of people like Joshua facing the bears, facing the bears and winning. In this case, it seems that people who assist leaders may become leaders themselves. Is that a bad thing? Moses was a great leader, and guess what? So was Joshua. Let's follow Joshua's example. But lest we forget who was the true power God. God was the true power behind their leadership. They did not exalt themselves. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And for Christians, we must always remember this point. God is still the one in charge. 
To-do people are important. Joshua was a person willing to learn. He had to be. As an assistant of Moses, and all the things that God was giving Moses to help the people understand, Joshua had to be a person willing to learn, to lead, and to follow God's will. But he was also a teacher. And we can see that later in his life, after Moses was already passed. And a teacher's job isn't to do the work of, for all the students, is it not? The teacher's job is to motivate the students to figure out, to do, and to perform. The students must eventually take the role of leaders themselves. Why do we here focus heavily so much on the younger people? Because we need leaders after we're gone, servants after we're gone, or older. They're probably going, what, more responsibility? Yes, it's coming. And God's going to be there. But you've got to be willing to sometimes be the assistant, like Joshua was with Moses, and learn the things you need to learn to be that leader. For instance, after Joshua, that is, God conquered the promised land. Joshua was part of it, but it was really God that conquered the promised land. Joshua, in his old age, Joshua 23, what did he do? He explained to the people that he is old, he's going away soon, he's turning the leadership over to the next generation. So Joshua, in his advanced years, gathered all the other leaders of Israel. Did he turn it over to, to a novice? Did he turn it over to somebody who wasn't trying to learn or understand or grow? No. In fact, he gathered the elders. He gathered, my version says, the heads. He gathered the judges, people who were already in position. He gathered the officers, people who had grown up and learned their positions in life, who took responsibility. And he reminded them, first, who was really in charge. God and God's teachings through Moses under that covenant. Their goal was to keep faith in God only. We had a great class this morning and how important God is in people's relationships and mainly between us and God. How important we must have that relationship with God. Well, Joshua had it, and he was telling the people, the leaders, they need to have it too. They need to share it with others. They need to live it. A godly leader is looking for others who will help people stay faithful to God's will. Do you want to be a leader? Assist. Become a leader. Be a part of that. Preaching and missionary schools, as I've come to understand, are always looking for the best potential leaders and students. Yeah, they'll, they'll let people come, anybody come, if you want to learn and grow. And, but they're always also looking for 
people who might truly excel, maybe they would excel in other industries in life very well. Why are they looking for the best potential leaders and servants? They understand the need for people to know Christ. The need for more and more workers in God's kingdom. Now, I'm not trying to say that God can't take who you are and use you to His full potential He wants you to have. But they want students also who are willing to dedicate their lives to a task that's so important to God that he wrote a book about it. And it presents a Savior, not the preacher, the Savior, who can save people, not just make them comfortable in this life because of a good income. But even the best leaders need God's help. I would say Moses, again, was one of the best leaders. But was he that because of his own self? Not at all. He would have thrown out some more excuses. He would have made another list. That's why it's so important to encounter God. Because he hits you where the heart is. And he helps you face the bears in your life. Is God speaking to you now? Is he asking you to step up and do something right and good? Are you making excuses in your head right now? Read his word and have him guide you into perhaps godly leadership in one form of another. And that doesn't negate the idea of godly service either. The lesson is called Facing the Bear, a study on godly leadership. Who, me? Leadership is not an easy assignment. But if God is calling you to lead, He'll help you lead. Yes, you. God will be there and He will strengthen you to do the job. And you. None of us will stay living here on this world. So we need to continue teaching the role of leaders. Leaders who will carry the responsibility of teaching God to a lost people. If there's anybody here who has any needs this morning, well, 